Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor, thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including the one with Jamie Haydenrich, who shares tons of advice for those with food allergies. Or last week's episode with Jessica Klingbaum, who tells her story of divorce and how she's now a health advocate and ex-expert. I hope you like this episode, and if you do, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Megan McDowell, founder of HeartWorks. In this episode, she shares her family's story of how the world came to support them after 9-11, She created this movement in honor of her brother-in-law, which has given thousands of people the opportunity to live a similar level of intention, connection, and kindness that so many experienced in the weeks of following 9-11. Now, this story is heartfelt, and HeartWorks is full of love for both the givers and the receivers. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, Megan McDowell. She's a licensed therapist, a kind-hearted and strong visionary, as well as founder of an incredible nonprofit that provides services, specifically acts of kindness to people going through hardship. This charitable organization, HeartWorks, has sparked a movement that's focused on conscious giving and self-awareness. Now, when I first heard about Megan, I knew I wanted to meet her, let alone interview her. Not only does her organization follow what I believe in, how small acts can change the world and thus actually change ourselves, but she also personally radiates positivity. Every interview I've seen or story I've read about her showcases how she is truly authentic and full of love. She spreads it, she shares the importance of it, and she and her team of wonderful women inspire others to do the same. Thank you, Megan. I am so excited that you are here. Well, thank you, Karen. That was uh, that was lovely. You know how you, uh, you hear something about yourself and you say, hey, I want to meet that person. <laughs> oh my gosh, and I want to give you a, <laughs> you big, a big hug. Feel that way about yourself. So that was really beautiful. Thank you. Oh, well, I, I'm wondering if we sit here and we tell the listeners how we got connected. I actually, I think it's a beautiful story about just the power of everybody we meet is one step toward another connection yes. that we love. Yes. So I have a team of two wonderful interns, one from a university here in town, Fairfield U, and the other actually at my alma mater, Miami of Ohio. Uh, but we had a team meeting where I was talking about, hey guys, I want to spend February, March, in the beginning of this year, I want to talk about love 
and healthy living like I always do, finding this happiness through hardship, but I want to do it differently this time. And I want to talk about, I don't know, spreading love. And I actually said to them, this is so near and dear to my heart and something that I don't often talk about, but the day of my stage four diagnosis, I was completely shocked and didn't know what to do. And so I went and I called someone, a religious figure who's not even of my own religion. And I went and I saw him and he said to me, Karen, it's all about living with a loving stance. And when I said that, one of my interns said, Karen, one of my best friend's mom started this amazing foundation called HeartWorks. And I started crying because even before I jumped into research what HeartWorks is all about, I just had this feeling I knew that there was something that could change so many lives, let alone my own, in this organization. And so we reached out to Megan and here she is today. Megan, I am so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful to Caroline and your daughter for connecting us. And I am very excited for you to share your story about how this all evolved. Well, and Karen, what was so powerful for me was that, so my daughter Madison is Caroline's um, roommate at, at Fairfield U. And what was so beautiful to me was that this is kind of the ripples, for lack of a better term, the ripples of authentic living and love is that here they are, you know, in their house at college. We're not not usually paying attention to each other's parents and what parents are doing. And it was so beautiful that you told that beautiful story about living with a loving stance, which, by the way, just that one phrase of living with a loving stance is so healing and so powerful. Um, So you bring that up and something strikes in Caroline that something that her best friend's mother does is also in that same storyline of living with a loving stance. And, you know, I'm one that says, when you say that word, when you say that phrase, living with a loving stance, so often the the way to truly know how to do that is through being authentic with our own journeys instead of where we want our life to be or where we think it should be it's living with a loving stance right here in the now because there is no there there's only here wow and no matter I, what I mean, comes up it's like to live with a loving stance i mean that's a I've never heard that phrase before, but uh, I'm moving forward with that one. So, you know, it's that it's that thing of connection of of you were struck by something in your life that had happened. Caroline is then affected by that, and then that tied you and I together, which is beautiful. And isn't that I, the I mean in, the tear? Isn't that the, the tears invisible are already presence? Wet. You know, it's the invisible yes. presence working through us for sure. I there's so many different directions we could go with this conversation. Yeah. And I'm I'm so grateful that we're here starting it. I feel like this is um, could go on several, several different conversations. I would love, I know your story because I've been following you now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing some of the listeners may as well, but I'd really love for you to share where did Heartwork start and, and give us a few details on that. Sure. So how, how Heartwork started was I was living out in uh, Colorado with my husband and my daughter. I was pregnant with my second daughter. 
And it was September 11th of 2001. And I was supposed to be getting on an airplane that day to fly home um, for my younger sister's 30th birthday party. So my daughter, Madison, who was Caroline's girlfriend, um, my daughter, Madison, and I were getting on a plane to fly home. I was feeding her um, yogurt and I gave her a scoop of yogurt and she ate it and I reached down to get the second scoop. And between the time I picked the yogurt up on the spoon and gave it to her, the phone rang and it was my brother. And he said, do you have the television on? Because that's John's building is being hit by airplanes. So my brother's name is John. He was calling me from Chicago, but my older sister, Marianne had also married a man named John. And so John Farrell, I always refer to him as John Farrell to distinguish between my brother and my brother-in-law. John Farrell was working in the Twin Towers in the South Tower on 9-11. He was 40. Um, and my brother was calling to tell me that the building had just been struck. And in that moment, uh, life as I knew it was over. And I, and I had a very visceral sense that life as I knew it was done. I didn't know what was coming next, but it was like I stepped out of how life was before that one spoonful of yogurt, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I do. And, you know, John Farrell and my sister Marianne had dated since I was seven. You know, they had dated all through high school, all through college. John was an integral part of my very enmeshed Irish Catholic family. Um He had four children, um, Molly and Colin and Patrick and Caitlin. They were all under 11 at the time. And they were back in New Jersey with my sister and the rest of my family was living in New Jersey. My younger sister was in New York, who we were going back for the party for. And my brother was in Chicago. And Heartwork started from my experience of Um, coming home after I got that phone call from my brother, my husband and I in Madison and my father, who that's another ball of wax, but he was visiting a friend in California. He got a rent a car, drove it to Denver International Airport. We met him at the airport, rented another car and then drove back east. And then I stayed at my sister's house for six weeks in Basking Ridge, New Jersey and experienced Karen literally the world show up for her. So here it was kind of our family's first true experience with total devastation. And in that devastation, what saved us and what I witnessed saving my sister is the world showing up with kindness. And some of the kindnesses were as simple as a batch of chocolate chip cookies arriving in a shoebox in the mail from a girl that I hadn't seen since college Um, to people showing up and driving my little nephew, Colin, who was three, um, to a play date or my nephew, Patrick, to soccer practice, um, to people hugging us in the grocery store, to donations that came in. Um, It was really, it, it, it flattened me, you know, and I would say that It overwhelmed me, but a term that I use for it instead of being overwhelmed is whelmed. 
W-H-E-L-M-E-D, because um, when my best friend Amy's son was diagnosed with with a tumor in his brain years later, um, she said to me that overwhelm restricts you, but when you're whelmed, it opens you. And that so often the kindness of others during grief and illness is what whelms us. Um, and that's really I'm, what started what started the foundation. I have tears running down my face the mm. whole time. And and again, there's just so many directions I could go. The, this phrase of being whelmed, that is so perfect because this immense life-changing hardship, let alone all the other hardships out there in the world, yes. sometimes we get, as somebody might say, overwhelmed by it. But if you look at it, you shift the way you're looking at it and to take in some of the positivity that's going on, even though it's so remarkably uncomfortable and horrific, it may help fuel some healing. Yeah. And, and I think that anybody dealing right now with acute grief or illness understands that feeling of when Amy was describing it to me, it was like so many people were showing up for her when Charlie was in treatment that it's almost too much. Like she kept using the term, it's too shiny. When someone shows up with such direct love that it's almost too shiny and it's overwhelming and what she was looking for was a way to turn the love that's coming towards you, how to, how to breathe into it and allow it into your life. You know, I had a, um, a spiritual teacher um, who crossed over a couple of years ago, but is still very much with me. And what she would say to me in my training early on was, Megan, allow your heart to crack open because that allows for more love. So that you don't don't try to protect your heart. Your heart is your protection, and the more it cracks open, the more love that can come in. So that you know, Amy would talk to me about answering the door and having someone maybe bring her a bottle of wine and dinner, and instead of saying no, 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 like we're okay, or no, 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 I don't want to be the you know the charity case in town. That it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the invisible, with God, with the universal flow working through us towards another human being during a crisis. And for some reason, which I haven't quite figured out, though I spend a lot of time thinking about it, why is it that it, when we're on our knees, does this seem to give us the permission to be more loving than just an ordinary day? Well, I don't have the answers, I'll tell you that, but I know through my own, you know, adventures in cancer that I think you get this sense of clarity Yes. when something, it, for me, when something really bad happened is nothing else matters, but in my case, I wanted to live. That's right. When I was first diagnosed at 31, I wanted to live, and so I was going to do what it took. I was laser focused on that. Then at 40, with the stage four diagnosis, I nothing was more important than me being there for my baby and for helping him live a wonderful life. Yeah. And so everything else 
that took up the headspace that might have been different worry or even worry about the cancer for that matter. I wanted to stay focused on healing and getting better and what could I do? And I think those in the, the, the periphery of my experience that were close to me and such as probably the people that are in Amy's family and mm-hmm. extended friends mm-hmm. as well as anyone who knew somebody they were close with in 9-11 or really any tragedy is you feel a bit hopeless yep. and you want to help. Yep. And so that is the focus. And so that's just my, solely my opinion, but that's where I think this is we're going to talk living in a, a loving stance or wanting to show kindness really can show up more easily because all the blinders are uh, to right. all the distract- what's going on all in the life. Distractions Distract. are gone. All the um, peripheral st- um, static is really gone. And and for me, how heart works. Um, how HeartWorks really began was that I couldn't go back. You know, it's almost like once you have an awakening and I I was a pretty, I've always been a feeler, you know, I've always been a feeler. And what I mean by that for people that maybe don't understand that term is, you know, I'm a person that if I walk past somebody on the street, I can feel what's happening for them. I can, I can be standing in a grocery store and see a look on somebody's face and just feel the depths of whatever that human suffering is that's going on for that person. It is, it is not an easy way to live. Um, and I've done a lot of work over the years to kind of manage it and understand it. Um, but that, you know, when you're a feeler, you see the invisible more than the physical, than the visible. So for me, things like emotions and spirituality and God and the universal flow that's easier for me to operate in that realm is easier for me to operate in than to get my laundry done or to go to target. Um, that's really powerful. And so this motivated you cause you could feel oh, I, the pain and the grief oh, of yeah. others. And, and I, and I understood how so much was out of our control. And yet, so if somebody shows up at the door with a lasagna, it's not bringing John back, clearly. And yet what it is, it it felt like to me, God showing up with the lasagna, God showing up with a soccer ball um, for my nephew to play with. Um, It felt like the the acts of kindness that were being brought to us through this tragedy was the invisible showing up in the visible world in a way that in a, in a potency that I had not experienced it before, which is, which is always what grief and illness does for us. Yes. I, I, I agree with that. Now in the community, I, I believe somewhere within those few years, you must've moved back to New Jersey from Denver. Yes. So I, we were in, we were in a town, um, right outside of Boulder, Colorado. And we moved back, we moved back maybe a year and a half later, um, moved back to our, to our hometown. My, my husband, um, grew up in a town, two towns over from me. So we were really coming back to the East coast where our families of origin were, were located. And so then when you started Heartworks, yeah, literally how did it begin? I know that the the story behind it is so profound, 
but literally to actually then do it and make it the success it is today. How did that come about? So how that came about was was us being back. Um, we were back in our hometown, you know, which is a little bit of a strange thing. You 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 move away and you come home, and then you're not, you know, my my childhood friends weren't here anymore. Yeah, um, so it's right. kind of like you're back in this really familiar space, and yet everything is new. You know, you you don't know anybody. The scenes are new. Yeah. The scenes are different. So when I started to make friends, um, I was meeting really, really lovely, wonderful women. Um, but I needed more. I, I needed to have, and, and it's interesting because I've kind of had a, what I keep calling my COVID awakening. Um, I understand this part of my life a little clearer now than I did at the time. But um, what I basically wanted to do was I loved these women that I were, was meeting. And I wanted to kind of take it to a deeper level that instead of just going out to dinner there, it felt like to me that there was a lot of talk about the problems with teachers in the school systems. And I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, we have one of the best school systems in the world. I'm not ripping a teacher apart because she didn't have the bulletin board up for Halloween, you know? Um, So there was kind of a lot of discussion about, um, you know, the, the, the surface of things. And, and that I've, I've come to learn that I I don't do that well on the surface. It doesn't mean that the surface is bad at all. It's just that it's not always a comfort level for me because I'm always like, there's so much more, there's so much more. And life is so short and life can be so challenging that what are we doing here? You know, let's get a little deeper and let's talk more authentically instead of talking about the person that, you know, was late in car car line that morning. Um, it was like, I had just had this awakening and for better or for worse, I just kind of wanted more out of these relationships. And, um, one morning the idea, just this name came to me, Heartworks. And it was, what if I get, start getting groups of women together? I adore these women. Let's start getting together with a deeper purpose. Um, you know, I grew up with a very intense father. My, my father was an incredibly, um, intense, um, humane guy. And so we were always learning about how blessed we are. He was a veteran and, and, and a humanitarian. And it was always about, we have so much that we take for granted. We have electricity, we have food in the refrigerator. You know, um, he would always say that most, most problems in Bernardsville are just inconveniences and yet we make them into problems. And he had very little toleration for um, complaints in our lives, you know? And um, I had had a spiritual awakening when I was about 21, when I started working with my teacher, Patty. And, and I was, I was on the path, you know, out in Boulder of, being a therapist and, you know, going to yoga classes and going to chantings in the park and being around people that were connecting again with the invisible more than the visible. And I, and I realized that I needed more of that in my life. My husband could certainly meet me there, but I, if I was going to survive being back in this town, I was going to need to draw some more attention to the invisible. And I had seen how basic 
you know, these acts of kindness that were done for my sister would more or less be considered basic. And yet there was nothing basic about them because of the love that came behind it. And so I started this group of women. We started with eight women coming over to my house. I think we were meeting on Thursday nights at that point, maybe. And they came over and we would have wine and cheese and crackers, which are two of my other favorite things. <laughs> and we just said, who can we help? You, you must know people that are in um, crisis right now due to grief or illness. I have a litany. I have a whole list of things that were done for us. You know, there was a morning that I looked out the window and a neighbor was coming up my sister Marianne's driveway with a little red wagon and it was filled with paper products. And when I answered the door, she said, I didn't know what to bring, but I see the cars going in and out. Um, you probably need paper products. So it's just less dishes for Marianne to wash. You know, that was beautiful. Yeah. That was beautiful. That was instead of her being stuck in her house, looking out the window across the street and feeling stuck, she just said, what is one small thing that I could do? What, what could possibly be needed over there? And then she had the courage to go to the store and buy paper products, a, a red wagon full of paper products and, and wheel them up my sister's driveway. You know, so I said, we have enough in this group of women. We live in a very um, comfortable town, you know, and, and a lot of my friends weren't working. And I, I, I said, what if we took this extra time that people have or even your own struggles, things that you've been through in your own life, instead of sitting home and sitting in a pit of depression and looping thoughts about what's going on in your own life. What if we expand the story out so that it's not your story or my story, it's the story of love and kindness. And we just start doing small acts of kindness for anybody that we know around us that's dealing with grief and illness. And so that's how, that's how we started. That is so, I mean, this makes my heart warm in so many ways because I can speak to being that person on the receiving end as well as frankly on the giving yeah. end too, that small acts of kindness are incredibly healing or a distraction from something that you don't want to be thinking of. So it makes you feel, even if it's momentarily a little bit of positivity that, hey, when you're going through hardship, you just have to, sometimes have to put one foot in front of the other and it is really hard. But to have that authentic kindness of something little that you know the person behind it really put a little bit of thought to make your day better. That's really powerful as, as the receiver. Well, and one of the things that we talk about so often in HeartWorks is that giving and receiving is the exact same energy. It's the exact same energy. And All right, tell me a little bit more about okay, that so because I, I think I agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, so this, is, this, this offers people a lot of freedom, especially the receivers. So the way that I, the way that I see it, Karen, is if a lot of what we could talk about with 9-11 is the way that people gave. And it was so beautiful, the way that the country literally stepped up and the world stepped up and took care of these families that were directly affected by the tragedy. But what I always think about is what if the receivers had said no? What if my sister and all the other 9-11 families had said, no, 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 we're good. You know, whether that be because of pride or whatever, right? 
because the giving part is so easy. We can all be the givers. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we did something and we accomplished something this day. But the receivers are the real heroes of the story. The receivers are the ones that in, in my sister saying yes, she opened up a field into the invisible. She opened up an energy for God and the invisible forces, higher vibrations to come through the people bringing the lasagna. And that's what really helped us to heal. And so the receivers for me are the heroes, for lack of a better term, because the, he, the, the receivers are, are alive and awake enough on the planet. Something is happening for them. They're saying yes. And by that yes, it allows the giver to have an experience with God that they may not ordinarily be having. Well, and I think this, the energy you're speaking of, whatever, wherever you're coming from and with your relationship spiritually, regardless, you're going to feel this helper's high. Yes. Right? That you're going to feel this sense of, and you're right, if the receiver would say, no, 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 thanks. I don't need mm-hmm. it. And trust me, like I've been yeah. there. I, I think I've been someone who's like, oh, I just don't want to be a burden yeah. to I whomever so, wants to help out. I hear that so often, Karen, and I can't tell you how much it is the opposite. How much of it is, it, it's the opposite of that. It's that by you saying yes, you're creating an opening like in the earth, in humanity, for God to come through with every yes, with every yes. And and I think that I used to look at it as we at, at first, especially with my first diagnosis, didn't want to, we didn't want a lot of help because again, we didn't want to be a burden. But what I ended up seeing is when I let people help me, it was their way of of not like, you know, when you have got a friend or somebody who's going through a hardship, you want to do whatever you can to make their life a little bit better. And sometimes to your point, you couldn't bring John back. You couldn't change whoever's hardship is out there. You can't necessarily change it. It may evolve the way it's going to evolve, but you could help make their life easier. And you want to do that. But if they say, no, 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 thank you, then you don't have that ability to show your love, to live with the loving stance. So I, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me. And both parties end up feeling wonderful through it. Even if it's just for a moment. I mean, somebody would bring, say somebody dropped off donuts for the kids. The donuts didn't make the whole day better. But you know what? It took care of 15 minutes back in that acute time that we were just going moment to moment. The donut delivery brought joy through the physicalness of eating donuts and and sugar and sitting around the table and having the kids have something new in the kitchen. It might have brought 15 minutes of joy. And so that's my thought process was that I think sometimes as a culture, we get so stuck and so private in our stories. And the more we can expand out and allow other people in, it teaches all of us. You know, another reason why people seem to reject the kindness or gear away from the kindness is because 
I've had dear friends say this to me, and I had Amy say it to me when Charlie was going through his treatments. Um, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be the family in town with the sick child. And if I receive this, it means that I'm sick. And another way to see that is it is what it is. Like it truly is what it is. And that's the part that we have no control over. But by opening ourselves and saying yes in those worst moments, that's letting the light in. That's letting God in. And we know that that's what we need in those moments. So especially for someone who doesn't have a direct understanding of God or a direct relationship with God, and I'm not talking about religious-wise, I'm talking about energy-wise, you know, an understanding of a higher vibration. Um, For someone that doesn't have that easily and doesn't feel that or experience that on a daily basis, the lasagna can give them that, that experience. The chocolates being delivered to them on Valentine's Day at lunchtime can give them an experience of God, whether or not they're able to identify it as that. Well, and on that note, I'm going to throw something at you using your own words. Mm-hmm. As I was looking through your social media, you wrote something about how focusing on simple things right in front of me can shift me. Yeah. And I think that is the point you're making here is that the donuts didn't change a diagnosis. Right. They maybe didn't even make the day, but they took a moment and they helped shift whoever received it. And frankly, whoever gave, who it, gave it. That's why that's what I mean by that's the same energy. It's the same energy. It just takes two components to experience it. It takes the receiver and it takes a giver. So if, if the receivers now, at nine 11 had said, no, all our culture would be left with is burning buildings and crashing planes. And yet there's this whole other storyline and connection to nine 11 and love, love, yeah, love, love beyond boundaries, love beyond political parties love beyond any belief system or any skin color or any religion. None of that mattered. Hugs were hugs and eye contact was eye contact and it was humanity. I, as we were talking about, about this, uh, an image comes up in my mind and I want to share it because it's so relevant. We moved to a new town, just a few towns down when my son was in first grade And when he was in third grade, he had this teacher that he was all excited. She was kind of the young, fun teacher that all the the kids wanted. Um, Frankly, I love all the teachers at that school. So um, side note there. But I was excited when he got her as a teacher because he wanted her. And one of the projects she had was a kindness project. And I, I sat there for a moment and I'm like, hmm, well, this is interesting homework. She wanted these third graders. In fact, she did it with a a friend of hers who is a teacher at another school in the district. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm already tearing up. I'm not even going to tell the story to its justice. But she had them each come up with an idea of something that they could do kind with nothing in return. Now, mind you, for third graders, this was really a concept. Well, wait, why am I going to go do this for someone? But it opened up 
not even so much the conversation, I think, but the visual. And then at the end of the, let's call it the lesson, they met in the center of town. You probably know the center of Fairfield where that gazebo is. Both classes from different schools and they had hot chocolate and they just handed it out randomly to people that were passing by. And so it was really, you know, in reflection as I look at that project that they did is that it was giving our kids this visual of sometimes you help somebody out for no reason. You do it because it can bring joy and it can bring goodness in their day. You don't even need the tragedy to happen. My son chose to give a $20 gift card for Starbucks to the woman behind um, the register at Whole Foods. He didn't know her. He just, uh, it was, we went to Whole Foods a lot. And and the funny thing is she was so shocked. Like she didn't know. And I wanted him to talk to her. And then he gave her a little note. And these random acts of kindness, even when you don't quote unquote need it, can also be such a beautiful thing. And like, and to your point, it shifts your energy. It shifts both people's energies. And that's, um, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's funny that you bring that up. And a lesson that I can learn today from your son is uh, I had a very interesting conversation years ago with a girlfriend of mine, Katie Borghese, and uh, she was a heart worker. And she was someone that, you know, sometimes people come to HeartWorks and they're like, oh yeah, this is nice. And I, I, I really enjoy this. And then there's other people that come to the group that are like, what is this? I want more of this. This has the opportunity to shift my life. And Katie was one of these people that was full into it. Katie was a very, uh, she's a very joyful person. Like she just kind of exudes joy. And one of the things that I said to her one day when we were talking about heartworks and tragedy and hard things, and, and I said, you know, it's in the tragedy that God, the invisible, the, the higher vibration of the universal flow is more apparent, is more visible. And she said, that's so interesting, Megan, because I see it clearer, like on Christmas, like I see it clearer at my daughter's swim meet. When people are laughing, I, I feel God more when we're with friends and we're laughing. And I, I, if I, if it was appropriate for me to have fallen to my knees, I would have, because what she was saying to me, and I, and I, and I, this is, this is a story for another podcast, but I think I grew up with so much intensity from my father and, um, he was a, you know, he was a veteran. He was an airplane pilot. He had been all over the world and really seen struggle you know, true, true gut-wrenching struggle. And so he had a really hard time with lightheartedness and joy because it felt like to him that he was sort of betraying people that were really in a struggle. So like for my father, that makes sense. You know, Christmas morning was really hard for him. We'd all be opening our gifts and historically he would sit in the corner with this quiet smile on his face and then we'd all be done And then it was so painful for my father to open up his own gifts. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that COVID, uh, what I call COVID clarity, one of the things that I've come to understand is that so much of my intensity in this, this attraction, if you will, to, to hardship and tragedy is because I am so much more comfortable when the illusions are gone 
I'm so much more comfortable if I can just sit with a stranger who, you know, fell off their bike. I happen to be there. I'm sitting on the sidewalk with them. There's no bullshit between us. Like she just fell off her bike and probably broke her arm and she's scared. So when she's looking at me, there's just this um, human connection between us. And I so crave that, um, that sometimes I think I'm drawn to the hardship because that seems to be the place it shows up the most. And I I want to be more like Katie. I I work on that. I work on that of being more lighthearted and feeling the joy of God in the blessings um, and not just the tragedies. Um, but it's something that I'm working on. And it, it's, it's really, that's one of the things, many things have become clear for me during COVID, but that's one of the things is, is what you're talking about is just kind of living this almost without having to be taken into the intensity of everybody's stories, if that makes sense. Well, it, it, it totally makes sense. And I think what you're saying is, is that's how it speaks to yes. you because that's who you are and perhaps how you've been for years. And Katie differently has, has felt love, has seen love, has given, received in a different way. And then Miss Iona's class yes. in teaching her third graders, they, I hope, in third grade, they didn't have to deal with with such hardship or even, you know, on the flip side, maybe even such, such joy, but that they, among many other people live in the day to day and being kind can just be, you know, I want to say a no brainer. It can just be simple and that it brings you this good energy. And sometimes it's, it's incredibly magnificent because you just don't know what somebody else is going through. We hear those stories about the random act of kindness to the person who was having the worst day ever. And, and you didn't well, know that's it. Really, as that's really, what that teacher was really teaching them was, you know, there's that quote, I'm going to botch it, but it says something like everybody's climbing an uphill battle just be kind. Right. That we that, don't know that about. That we just don't know right. about. And, I, and I'm saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a therapist and I'm seeing a lot of clients or, or talking to a lot of clients on the phone right now. And um, one of the things that's so fascinating to me about COVID is that it's just that there's nothing new with this virus. I understand that the storyline of it, the presentation is, is, is different than something we've seen in our lifetime, but the, the core underlining issues of life being out of our control, things being unpredictable, not having all of the answers and having to live without having the answers. None of that is new. That's, that's life. But what is unique about this experience is that it's all, it's happening to all of us at exactly the same time. And that's, that's the only thing to me that is new or different about the virus um, is that when you're out now or when the mailman comes to deliver my mail and I look and I say, how are you today? I, I'm, I'm genuinely asking him, how are you today? And he'll look back at me and I'm say, I'm okay, or I'm not okay, or I'm struggling. And it's given everyone back to my point, fortunately or unfortunately, that the struggle is what helps us to open to each other in our limited humanness. You know, there is there is a connection right now with each other that we didn't have a year ago Um, in terms of when you see somebody in the grocery store, you know that they're struggling with something. Because everybody's struggling with something right now. 
Right. And I think because the conversation's been out there quite a bit more that we all can relate to, to your point, that you might be more apt to have that conversation to really speak your truth as opposed to just smiling and be like, good, yeah, good, exactly. good, And then move because forward. Because again, right? all the distractions are gone. Life is slower, you know, and I, I think that they're... I think that or people are reflecting oh, people are on, definitely reflecting right like in, in I think that happens a lot of times with hardship as well as you start to reflect on what you want and what you have and done or haven't done and what people yes. are or what people do you want to be really spending your if time is limited who do you want to be spending your time with and is this is this problem worth my energy. Um, I think it's also just opened people up because people are struggling. We're more in connection with each other. And and then there's this whole strange dichotomy going on, you know, of one person can say our country is completely separated and broken right now. And from another lens, another person may say, we are all so connected working through this together. And in my experience is that both experiences are happening at the same time. It's not one or the other, it's both. Um, and that's just part of the human experience of both of them happening at the, at the exact same time. And for me, it's which, which am I going to pay attention to? Where am I going to put my focus? Um, and I'm choosing to put my focus on connection and gratitude and being in the moment and being vulnerable. And when I'm struggling, I text my high school friends or my college friends um, and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Can anybody talk to me while I go out and walk the dog? You know, there's a lot more of that going on um, because it's almost like in COVID, the struggle is more socially acceptable than it was. I mean, that, that does make yeah. sense, which I'm, I'm, the, the therapist part of me is, is ecstatic over that. Like I love that people are talking more openly about their struggles because that's what kept us stuck pre-COVID is the pretending or the, you know, shining up the outside of our house so nobody sees what's happening on the right. inside. And, and when you're not allowing someone to see what you're struggling with, you're just left with your own mind. And our own mind is not always our friend. I don't want to be left with my own mind. I, I invite other people into my struggles because I want different perspectives. And, and I, and sometimes I can't give the love to myself, the level of love that I need. So that's when I go to my husband, you know, or that's when I go to my mom um, or my dog, you know, and just say, I'm not able to love myself through this moment. Um, could you help me? Isn't this interesting coming full circle uh, when Father Tom said to me, live with a loving stance? It doesn't necessarily, as I've explored that, okay, what does that mean? So much of what we're talking about today is is not just the giving of it. It's just the receiving okay. of it. It's knowing, like you said, you you feel empty and you're asking for a little bit of love and that's okay. And I think for everybody who's listening now, whatever hardship that you may be going through you know, beyond COVID years from now or something you're working on that you're grappling from years ago, knowing that like love shows itself in different right. ways and different people bring love to the table differently. It's sometimes you need to ask for it or sometimes you need to 
not necessarily find the answer, but go to somebody. Hey, whether it's a licensed therapist or whether it's a best friend or whether it's just, hey, going to your journal and getting it all out there. It's trying to find a way to connect and give or receive the love, I think, is is what can help so many of us when we're going through hard times, put one foot in and front of the other. When I When I ask for help and one of my friends or my husband or my mom helps me, that, that's also a gift to them. And it also gives them permission that when they're struggling to ask for help, the more I can ask for well, help when I'm, you know, when, that's you true. Know, the more I, and especially for me, you know, people get thrown sometimes I, they think that because I read all the books and because I'm meditating and I'm praying all day and which is, you know, I say, I, I don't do those things. <laughs> I don't do those things for any other reason other than life is hard and I need to meditate and pray. I need yeah, to meditate and pray right. all day long. I need to reach out to my friends all day long. I don't read the self-help books for any other reason other than if I don't, I misunderstand things and I'm on my ass. So I'm, I'm doing oh. what I'm doing to help myself. I want to just jump through this microphone right now and give you a big oh, hug because I I feel like I've I've known you for years. <laughs> I I love everything that you have built. I know it wasn't alone. I know it's with you're surrounded by wonderful yes, women, was, but you brought this to life. You continue to, you know, showcase that kindness matters and that receiving is important and giving obviously is as well. And I'm so grateful that you, hey, I'm grateful that we got to connect and have this conversation and I look forward to many others. And so on that note, I am hoping that you would play the grateful game with me. Are you willing to do that? Sounds great. I feel like I should have some music here. Do, 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 Like we're on a game show. No, I do. So I digress. For those that are new to me, I play what's called the grateful game at the end of all episodes. And I do it because it's something that evolved within a practice that my son and I started a few years back. And it truly is, in essence, I do this for the same reasons that we're having this podcast conversation here. I do believe that little bit of positivity sprinkled in in your life can help you shift your mindset, can help you shift your energy. And even if you're having a bad day, just to think about a few things that you're grateful for can help you, as I say, put one foot in front of the other. And so here's how we play. I will give us, let's just say, I'll say 30 seconds. I'll do it super quick to just take a moment and tell you and the listeners here what I'm grateful for and why. And then I'll toss it to you and whoever has the most in that 30 second time frame wins. Awesome. Are you ready to play? All right. Show song. Play. No, I'm kidding. All right. So what I am grateful for. So I have to shout it out again. I am so grateful for my interns and for Caroline for bringing us together because this conversation really has made me smile from ear to ear. And of course, drop a few tears as well. Uh, And hopefully the listeners out there will agree upon that. I am grateful for um, my favorite face oil that is sitting on my desk right now. It's super dry right now in my house and I'm spending so much time here. And so I love this rose oil by Cosmetology. Um, And that's not an ad by any means. It's just I'm looking for little things around me that bring me joy and that I'm grateful for. And that's it. So, hey, 30 seconds and I hit two. I am grateful for 
electricity. I am grateful for heat. I am grateful for my home. I am grateful that my three daughters have wonderful friends in their lives. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for the women of HeartWorks and our donors that help the energy keep flowing. I am grateful for our active military right now. I am grateful for our veterans. I'm grateful for looking out the window. I'm grateful for the sun coming through the trees. I'm grateful for the wind. I am grateful for my dog and my husband and my family. I am grateful for grace. I am grateful for forgiveness and I am grateful for support. Oh my goodness. That was so beautiful. It's like you actually practiced because you said that so eloquently and so well of so many things, the big things, the small things, uh, the things that don't seem important, but really are because it just makes us who we are and how we live a life that we can be happy about. And I think to all the listeners out there, I hope, um, my hope in ending the shows this way is for you guys also to take a moment and think about what you're grateful for and why. Because even in those really hard days, if you can take a moment and think about something that maybe gives you a smile or that, of course, that you're thankful for, that will help you shift your energy. That may help you heal in that moment or even in that day and hopefully long-term and provide you with a tool that can really make your life a little bit better. So Megan, thank you so much for being here today. I will put the links to HeartWorks in the show notes so people can check it out. It is an amazing organization and I am again, so grateful that you were here today with us. I am excited about this newfound friendship and all the wonderful things that will come from it. Thank you. Thank you everyone for being here today. We will be in touch again soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. Megan and I talked a lot in this episode about living with a loving stance. In the day-to-day, when life gets tough or busy, sometimes we all move fast and forget that we have a choice in so many of our decisions and in how we approach them. Now, if you want to try and embrace kindness a little more or spread a little love in the day-to-day, we created a list of little things that might just help spark some ideas for you. So please check out prettywellness.com backslash spread dash love. Again, that's prettywellness.com backslash spread dash love. I do believe that kindness matters. Now, not just for those who receive it, but for those who give it. And I know that Megan at HeartWorks believes in this too. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now, everyone.